spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. I'm your host, Joy Keys, and I want to thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter.com slash Joy Keys, and you can become a fan on Facebook. Just look up Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. And now I am on Instagram. Yes, lots of cool pictures. Tag me in a photo, and you might win a prize. As my followers know, I give away books and CDs and downloads and gift cards, all types of things. So I really encourage you to follow, become a fan, or tag on Instagram. Also, I just want to say thank you to all the people that are following currently. Wow, close to a million downloads of the podcast. Thank you, thank you, and thank you. I'm just like amazed that you want to listen to my crazy voice, uh, but also I'm happy that you are listening to the wonderful guests They have a lot of knowledge about a variety of topics. And today, uh, another wonderful guest. This author has written 20-some books. 20, yes. This is her 20th novel. She has won many awards, been in the New York Times, uh, all over the place. Um, And she has so many followers. Two million copies of her novels have been sold. so far, and this is her 20th one we're going to talk about today. She was a 2013 NAACP Image Award winner for Outstanding Literary Work. Uh, good morning, Kimberla. Good morning. How are you? I am wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on the show again. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Wow, you've been busy, lady. I mean, <laughs> I talked to you, that was like 10 novels ago. <laughs> Oh my uh, goodness! It has been, yeah, it's been a really busy time, um, but it's been a great time. And uh, you know, who would have guessed? You know, I think back to when I was first trying to get uh, Behind Closed Doors published, and you know, received all the rejection letters, and ended up having to start my own business to self-publish it. And then now here today, The Prodigal Son is the twentieth book. So it's it's been a truly wonderful journey. Oh, my goodness. So let me just tell some of the people may not be familiar. You have a series called the Reverend Curtis Black Series. Um, and how many books are in that series? Do you, do you know? Um, yes, there are 11. 11. And then you have some standalone uh, titles as well. Yes. Um, and there's, what, about Nine eight? of those. Nine, Nine of those. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So 
What is your process? I mean, do you say I'm going to do a Reverend Curtis Black and then I'm going to do a standalone or I'm going to do two Reverend Curtis? Like, how do you decide or does it, or, I mean, do you, what's your process for writing? Yeah, for the most part, what I've done since maybe about 2008 is I will do my Reverend Curtis Black title toward the beginning of the year. It used to be in January, but because of all mm-hmm. the weather issues we were starting to have with my tours and the traveling, we moved it to May. Um, and then later in the year, I do my standalone title. So I've done about two books a year for about the last five or six. Um, and so, I've, you know, same thing for this year. The Prodigal Son came out in May, and then now a Christmas prayer will come out. Well, it was November 4th, but now it's been moved back. It'll uh, actually come out a week earlier on October 28th. Wow. Is your hand, like, you get cramps? Do you do special <laughs> exercises? I mean, you know, back in the day, you're writing, but now I'm assuming you're typing. Or do you have yes. someone type for you? Do you, you know, what, what is, how does that go? No, I still. Because, I, mean, that's I a lot. You know, I write. Yeah, I write all of my books. You know, I type all of it, and so sometimes I will hand write a little bit of my synopsis, or sometimes a little bit of the outline. But for the most part, even my outline is typed, um, and then I go mm-hmm. back and I just type as the words come to me, and you know, they kind of go right into the into the computer. Wow. So this prodigal son is about three hundred some pages, um, mm-hmm. and you were on. Um, and you're telling me you have another book coming out in Christmas. Do you get hints, tips, tricks from uh, the people that follow you? Because you're on Twitter. Um, you mm-hmm. have a website, KimRoby.com. Do you mm-hmm. take what your fans say into consideration? Yeah, I do. You know, for for the most part, you know, I always listen, and I love more than anything to get feedback from my readers. Um, but, you know, I think what happens is, you know, for me, especially with the Reverend Curtis Black series, um, you know, they've been around for such a long time that they have become like a part of my own family. You know, that's what it feels like because mm-hmm. I know those characters so well. So they really do guide the story um, with some of the characters they're going to do what they're going to do. You know, their personalities have been set, their <laughs> destinies have been set, and, you know, so that's just sort of how it is. You know, thank God, you know, I, you know, if I hear a reader say, oh, you know, I kind of expected it to turn out a little differently or I really wanted that character, you know, to just become a better person a lot quicker, you know, mm-hmm. that's probably 2 or 3% of my entire readership, at least based on, you know, the feedback that I received directly. Um, so I just kind of... You know, I'm that person who right before I'm sitting down to, uh, you know, write another book, I'm praying and asking God to give me the words he wants me to say, the story that he wants me to write. And the hope is that even though it is fiction and it's entertainment, my prayer is that it will help at least one person, hopefully many, but at least one person, you know, during that process. Well, yeah, let's talk about some of the issues you're dealing with in The Prodigal Son. Wow. I mean, you mm-hmm. you know, people might initially say, oh, this is just like a nighttime soap and, you know, writing form. But, no, mm-hmm. you go really deep. Let's talk about mainly one of the issues that stood out was the postpartum depression issue. Yeah. Uh, one of the characters, because I don't want to give away, oh, my God. First of all, I needed some tissues. Then I needed to, like, you know, I needed a security guard. <laughs> uh, you know, then I was like I needed a cold glass of water because there's some sex scenes. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, but the postpartum depression, that's a serious issue. Some states uh, have made it mandatory. I know uh, I was reading New Jersey, uh, Illinois, and West Virginia, they're required uh-huh. by law, but many states have not. Um, why did you decide to put that issue in the book? Do you know someone who's dealing with that? 
uh, talk well, to me about this issue. Yeah, well, you know, I have I've seen it throughout the years, whether it be you know with acquaintances or family members or friends, people who just really don't know which way to turn once they've had a child. You know, it becomes the greatest and and the best experience in the in their lives, but deep down it can be their worst. And even if a lot of family mm-hmm. members don't know about it, and then of course what you what you end up seeing too much is family members, even spouses, who think, oh, you know, it's just a phase that maybe she's going through. You know, it's just something she has to get used to. She's a new mommy, and, you know, this will pass. But, you know, truth is, it doesn't always pass. And it's a myth that it only lasts for two, three months or up to six months. It can last for much, much longer than that. Yeah, that was something in the character of the husband and some of the other people. Yeah, they were like, what? Well, how could it be happening this long Mm-hmm. Um, that character did have some other issues, though, before the postpartum started. But nonetheless, you know, you don't – myself, I mean, I would say, you know, I probably thought maybe a year, but it could be mm-hmm. longer. So uh-huh. that's important knowledge that people do need to be aware that it can be happening much longer um, and that someone definitely needs to step in or at least, you know, broach the subject with the individual or their partner um, Another issue, though, is that you don't see, in terms of the news, black women in postpartum depression. No, you don't. And you, you see know what the picture of a white woman with postpartum mm-hmm. depression who is usually middle, upper, middle class. Oh, mm-hmm. what was her? You know, she has a nice house. She has a car. She, mm-hmm. you know, has a husband who's working, taking care of her. In the news, you do not see postpartum depression black woman. If anything, you see the problem at the end where the woman drove into the lake they killed her kids, but nobody's yes. saying anything, oh, maybe that was postpartum depression and not that she was some psychotic black woman. And that's the thing. Well, you I know. think that, we, yeah, we don't see it in the news. We don't hear about it. We don't even hear it at our dinner tables because in the black community, we still think that's a no-no. It's sort of a shame you know, brought upon someone who, you know, admits that they have mental illness. And family members don't even want to admit that they have a family member who needs psychological or psychiatric help. And, you know, that's really the sad part. Um, So some lives are being lost when really if people would just open up and be honest and talk about it, out loud, maybe that family member or friend could be helped. Um, I did see something um, just a couple of days ago, and I thought that was interesting. It may have actually been yesterday morning. Um, There was a young woman, and she was a young black woman, only in her early 20s. Um, She smothered, I guess, her baby and then posted a photo of the baby Mm. saying, rest in peace, on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, it was just awful. It just made me cringe when I saw that. Oh, wow, wow. See, and so now they're saying, you know, there was something late. wrong. Yeah, they're saying they yeah. realize now that something was wrong and that she had been acting differently. But, of course, nobody did anything or said much about it. Well, you know, like, for example, in your book, the character people did finally approach the character, and she refused and denied. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't force someone uh, to, to be, you know, you can't commit someone unless they're going to no. hurt themselves or they're yes. hurting someone else. So, exactly. I mean, it's it's really a difficult situation, but I think what's important is knowing some of the signs um, of, you know, postpartum depression um, and, you know, what to look for and also understanding that it could last, you know, longer than, you know, you might have thought initially um, yes. and that people aren't just trying to get out of being a mom. You know, that's, so that's not the case. You know what I mean? Exactly, yes. Yeah, it's very, very well. Some of the symptoms. 
let me just mention some of the symptoms about postpartum depression, um, thoughts of hurting yourself, hurting your baby, also um, hallucinations, which could be you know, at, the, at the far end of the spectrum. Um, definitely, you know, feeling down, feeling sad, crying, anxious, overwhelmed, mood swings. Um, these are some things that, you know, again, you have hormonal changes after you have the baby, but it depends on the intensity and how long these symptoms keep going on or that you might see this in a friend or a family member. Definitely you want to make a call um, yes, or, or try sure. to get some help. Mm-hmm. Now, some other issues. I'm uh, oh, sorry. What do you want to say, Kimberly? No, no, no. I was I was just agreeing with what you said. Yeah, yeah. Some of the other issues are wow. The, well, the main issue is there's two sons, uh-huh, and there's the father, and the one son is really vying for the father's attention. Talking about mental health issues, he every I was like, okay, really, Kimberly, you you're not going to give him a break. He is just you just had him on the far far end. I kept saying, okay, he's going to come around. He's going to realize his perspective is a little skewed. Never. He never no. came <laughs> No. And, and, you know, unfortunately, he represents, you know, people everywhere, whether we recognize it or not. You have some people who really have such strong internal issues that they only see what they want and they are willing to do whatever they have to in order to get it. And so for him, it was, gosh, I am the son, the firstborn child. I, you know, should be rightfully, you know, given all sorts of attention. Um, But now here I am, 29, just met my father for the first time, just met my siblings. And, of course, Dylan doesn't like the other siblings because he believes, you know, look, you've already had your time with my dad. Right, you've already had your time. Yeah, and of course he that can't so stand crazy. Charlotte, yeah, his stepmother. She can't stand him. She wants him to go back to wherever it is he came from. And so it's a huge mess, you know. And so it, in his defense, you know, nobody really likes Dylan. But then in their defense, Dylan is not very likable. I mean, he, he doesn't give anybody any reason at all to really care about him. I think that's the issue, um, knowing how to love, knowing how to be loved. Mm-hmm. Those are two things that uh, are going through not only Dylan, but also Matthew uh, and, and his wife, um, Raquel, um, mm-hmm. also, you know, Dylan and uh, Melissa. Is it Melissa? Yeah, that's Melissa. Yes. Um, and then if that, I think that's who teaches us how to love. I mean, I don't remember my mom and dad sitting down and saying, you know, this is what you need to do when you start a relationship. Now, some people might have. But I don't remember happening to me, and there's many people I don't think ever. I mean, did your parents or somebody sit down with you and say, this is how you should behave when you think you met the person? Yeah, I, I actually did, you know, from both my mother and my grandmother. My grandparents oh, were married. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were married 51 years before my grandfather passed away. And my grandmother used to always say, even when I was a young girl, she would say, marriage is what you make it. It's a lot of give and take. It's not always about being right. You know, it's about knowing that you have become one. And so whatever you do, it affects that other person and vice versa. So I always heard that. And my grandmother used to say, I married my husband um, to death. You know, that was, mm. the, that was the vow that I took. That was the vow that he took. And, you know, so I knew what marriage was supposed to be like based on them. And then even with my parents, I mean, my mom um, was divorced from my dad, and she was divorced from my stepdad, you know, but my mom 
was this really wonderful person. If you meet people now, I mean, she's gone, and they'll say, gosh, you know, what a sweetheart she was. She was that kind of that person who really wanted to help everybody, um, even if she didn't know them, you know, and do the right thing. Mm-hmm. She just didn't end up, you know, with the right husbands. Not to say that they wouldn't have been great husbands for someone else, but they just weren't really compatible. But still, my mom would always say, you know, you know, when you get married, you know, you really have to keep that person first. That person has to keep you first. It has to be about the two of you. And so family members and friends, they're secondary. They're outside of, you know, that circle. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm married to a man who says, you know, this is about us. And it's always been that way for, well, it'll be 24 years in September. And so oh, God Will, bless it you. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's God. And then it's Will, and then it's everybody else. And he feels the exact wow. same way about me. And I think that's why we can still say after all these years, we're not just married to say we're married. We're not just living in the house together. But we still enjoy each other, and we still do everything together, and we're still very, very happy. Well, you know that's a rarity that, that you can say you're married past like five years in this mm-hmm. day and age no, it's, because, it's really sad, you know, it's true. I yeah. mean, people can't make it even five years. They cannot mm-hmm. even make it like five years. It's mm-hmm. it's crazy and, and um, it is but. and it is and I also think too it's about being friends so you know you say okay gosh Will is my husband I love him the way you love a husband you know and and you have the intimacy but Will is also still the person so if I wake up and say oh you know I think I'm gonna you know run out to the mall it's not my girlfriends I'm calling to do that it's Will and I are getting ready to go you know so it's mm-hmm. it's the friendship as well that so we confide in each other like best friends would but we love each other the way spouses would yeah that's i think the key right there finding a friend because you're not always going to be um happy and up and ready to go have sex so it can't be all about the sex no Um, you also have to deal with daily activities you know daily activities like so who's going to go shopping who's going to clean who's Mm going to pick up the kids um, you know what are we going to be or do in the next five years ten years twenty years where will we live Yes. This has nothing to do with sex, but it is very no, intimate. No, you know, no, you get through the first activity, few months, you know? you know, and you realize, okay, now we get to really learn who each other are, you know, and and so, you know, you go through that process. But it, but I, I still, I, my grandmother used to always say, and I still say, marriage is what you make it. You know, you have a choice. And then I think, too, you know, what your example is when you're growing up. And so, you know, as I said, I mean, you know, sadly, with my mom, you know, a couple of her marriages ended in divorce. But with my grandparents, that was a great example for me to see what it mm-hmm. really was supposed to be like. Or yeah, how I, I knew I wanted um, to be. I wanted my marriage to be like. I should say. Right, right. I mean, that's in a different generation. I think it's the issue of uh, stick to itness. You know, if mm-hmm. you will, and that you know everything is not going to be flowers, uh, sunshine, and flowers. And no there's way. going to be ups and downs, and All there's the a time. issue of forgiveness, forgiveness mm-hmm. of yourself, yes. of yourself first, you know, and then also forgiveness and leeway for your partner. Not too much leeway, you know. No. But, you know, you got to. But within the reason. Only human. Yes, yeah, you know, within, within reason. reason and, you know. Um, I, I'm always a very honest. I was just talking about this at an event I did a couple of weeks ago um, because, you know, here I was. I was 25 when I got married to Will. Will was 36. And so, you know, that's a bit different. But, you know, they say men and women, you know, are so much different when it comes to maturity mm-hmm. level. So I could completely relate to him, and he could completely relate to me. But I remember at that age just being upset because 
he wouldn't hang his clothes up. You know, if they weren't dirty, he wouldn't hang them up. Yeah. And if they were dirty, he wouldn't right, put them right. in a dirty clothes basket. Okay. And so I just you know, talked to my mom. Yeah, my mom and I were very close. So we talk on the phone all the time, almost see each other every day. And so I'd be complaining about that. And so one day she said mm-hmm. to me, she said, you know, every time I hear you complain about Will, it's about his clothes, that he laid them around or something was on the floor, was in the closet. And she said, honey, let me tell you. And she, I guess, was basing it on her own relationship. She said, if that's all that he does that causes you to complain, mm-hmm. then you need to stop complaining about it. Right. You know, and I and never right. forgot that she said that. Like, look at all the other issues you could have, you know, that other women have with a husband. So you need to leave that alone. You know, you need to check yourself. Well, talking about other issues, and, you know, we're getting close to our time limit, but domestic violence. And you deal with, and mm-hmm. that's not necessarily just domestic violence with women, uh, yes. because Dylan, who's the, the oldest son, uh, is horrible to uh, Melissa, uh, but also domestic violence of a man. Mm-hmm. And that's Matthew getting beat up, literally cut, uh, hit, pushed by uh, Raquel. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I didn't know how far you were going to take that, but, when she started, she just went over the edge. When she started picking up weapons, I was like, uh-oh, everybody that needs to run, duck, hide. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But people don't realize that is an issue. He kept it silent because, you know, he was ashamed, which he shouldn't be. But um, there's also um, men who uh, were raped uh, by previous partners. I was reading um, this from um, an article and one out of 14 men has been physically assaulted by a current or former spouse. Uh, mm-hmm. 835,000 men are physically assaulted by a partner annually. Oh, um, and it, Yeah, it, it, it's a lot of men out there, but they keep quiet. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. About well, there's that stigma, on. you know. Yeah, women even feel that stigma attached to them. But it's, I think, even ten times worse for men who are going through that. I mean, uh, I don't know how would a guy come out, you know what I'm saying, in a sense mm-hmm. of tell. Because like, somebody would like, what do you mean, dude? And he's, and your character, I'm glad you made it that way. He was like 6'2". I think he even specifically says that in the book. Yes, he's like he does. six feet tall. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that you said that. And she's 5'9", so she's not a little woman. But she's no. not, oh, she's my height. I'm 5'9", you know. But he's still bigger than her. And... You know, she has gone over the edge, and he loves her, and he's a good guy, you know, mm-hmm. so he's thankfully holding himself back uh, because he could really hurt her. Um, and then you have the other character, which is kind of stereotypical character with Dylan, um, and he is just, he just really hates himself. Mm-hmm. I, I just think it's just, it, it, it's out, I mean, is that, am I hitting the nail on the head with this, or Yes, no, absolutely. I mean, you're you're saying exactly what it is. And so it's, you know, just something where I think, you know, especially when you're talking about the um, domestic violence with a man, you know, that was kind of my whole reason for wanting to write about it is because it does happen, but it's just not talked about enough. <clears throat> you know, there's so much shame that comes with it, and, you know, it's kind of a behind-closed-doors sort of thing. And, you know, it's a decision. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Dylan doing what he's doing to Melissa. How many women just feel like maybe I can't do any better or I just love this man so much that it's just worth it? You know, it's worth it to be mm-hmm. treated that way, which is really unfortunate. Very, very unfortunate. Well, Kimberler, this is an awesome book. Again, The Prodigal Son. I'm going to be giving away some copies. I encourage people to follow on Twitter.com 
slash Joy Keys. Um, also, check me out on Facebook, which is Saturday mornings with Joy Keys. Or tag me in a photo on Instagram, and you could be a winner of the book, The Prodigal Son. Also, check out Kimberly's uh, website, KimRoby.com, K-I-M-R-O-B-Y. Check out all her wonderful books. Again, this is the 20th one. You have another one coming out. You said Christmas time, right? Um, yes, mm-hmm. and it, it will actually come out because all of the bookstore promotions will begin a little earlier. So um, Tuesday, October 28th, um, a Christmas Wow, so again, just Banging them out like crazy, two yeah, a year, and I, well, amazing. I, yeah, and I'm actually working on now. I'm, I have to submit it uh, pretty soon here, my book for next May, which is the 12th book in the Curtis Black series. You have to submit the book now for next year? Oh, yeah. Well, wow. Actually, to be honest, it's usually they, they prefer, you know, the, the 9 to 12-month range, and, and I try to do 11 or 12 months when I can. Um, so this will get mm-hmm. me down to more like 10 months. But yeah, they, it's a, a long production schedule to get it um, to where it needs to be. Well, that's actually good for writers who are uh, trying to strive to be where you are and understand mm-hmm. the business aspects and um, – timelines is very important that you can't just put it out now and then think that the publishers are going to, like, flip it around in, in two months. Um, so that's mm-hmm. it. I'm glad that you made that comment. I myself wasn't aware that you had to do that so far in advance. Um, but for any writers out there, hear ye, hear ye, that yes. um, you got to have your stuff together. Um, it's all about creativity because her books are wonderful. It's not like she's putting out trash. These books are not trash. She deals with heavy topics, serious issues, um, but she's also a businesswoman. Um, so that's well, thank important. You. Thank you very, very <laughs> much for that. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you so much, uh, Timberler, for coming back on the show. I wish you success with this and all the other books that are coming out in the future. Um, and you got to come back, of course, maybe uh, December, January, to talk about your next book. Okay. Thank you so much. I look forward to it, and I appreciate all your support, and keep doing the wonderful job that you're doing with your show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, you have a great weekend, okay? Okay, you too. Take care now. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Just got off the phone with awesome author extraordinaire, 20 books, two million, over 2 million copies sold. This is her 20th novel, Prodigal Son. Check it out. Check it out. KimRoby.com. Also, she's on Twitter, uh, Kimberler L. Roby, uh, on Twitter, and follow her. See where she's going to be next. She does readings around the country. You may be able to see her, get a signed copy. Uh, Stay tuned. I'm going to be speaking with, wow, I'm just being blessed today, incredible, incredible actor extraordinaire Charles S. Dutton coming on next. So you want to call in for that. hope you have a wonderful weekend. And, uh, again, thank you so much for your support. Let's face it. There's a lot you don't know about sickle cell disease. Like that it affects millions. People in almost all races. Black and white. Indian and Asian. Hispanic and Mediterranean. And that it can affect you or someone you love. No matter where you come from. Let's face it, there's a lot you don't know about sickle cell disease. And that's a disease too. Call the 211 Info Line to learn more.